0: I've been an elder here at Grace Bible Church for a few years. I was one of the founding members of the church. so The church is as old as my oldest son, and he just turned 19. So I've been here for 19 plus years. Um, and this ministry started um, at a Denny's at Warner or Elliot McClintock. I think it's a Biscuits now or something. Um, in a corner booth where Scott said, hey, I want to try something out on you guys and see if this works. You guys are my guinea pigs. Um, We're going to walk through this material. And here we are, 16 or so years later, um, teaching this ministry to you men. Um, And I know personally, I am the man I am today because of this ministry. Um, The effect that it's had on my own life and the way that I've Shepherd in my heart, and the way that I've grown in my love for God. Um, there's so many connections to the teachings in this ministry that have, that are there for that. That um, I'm excited to lead the ministry. Last year, um, Scott kind of Scott Maxwell took over the ministry again, and I was going to co-lead with him and kind of learn how to lead the ministry. And then after the third week, um, he stepped down and. I took over the ministry, having not been a part of it for years. So that was awesome. Um, We kind of bait and switched on most of the people in Build, like, hey, you get Scott Maxwell, and then, you know, they got Matt Kelso. Um, You guys, um, you know, we're told up front, you get Matt Kelso, so you're you're gluttons. So here today we're going to go through, I'm going to spend the next half hour or so, maybe 15-20 minutes, just kind of introing Build, going through the notebook if you guys have it, um, and talking about what the ministry is, and then we're going to break up into discussion groups, um, which is a vital part of Build, Um, and during that time it's really just introductions this week, just to get to know the men that are in your discussion groups. We've got about 40 men in the ministry this year and four discussion groups, so there's probably about 10 people in yours. Um, And then we'll come back in here at 8, and I'm going to teach a lesson about the vision and purpose of the church and how that connects into this ministry. Um, And so that's kind of the roadmap. My goal is to be done between 9 and 9.15. It'll probably be right in between 9 and 9.15. And so that's the roadmap for today. So let's talk about BUILD. Um, When BUILD started, it was an acronym that was Becoming United in Leadership Disciplines. It has since changed because I think acronyms aren't cool anymore. Um, and so now it's building the disciples of faithful leaders. Um, but the point is, it's it's a ministry, and we'll talk about this when we get into the vision and purpose, but it's really a ministry so that we as men can build each other up in a way that helps us grow in our love for God. Um, and so we do that through multiple ways. Um, so before, I just want to know, raise your hand if this is your first time taking build. Wow, that's quite a few. Raise your hand if it's the second time. Third? More than three. I like the, the, the kind of hand like people don't know. I, 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 I honestly... <laughs> like, I'm gonna guess I've been in this class five times, but I don't know, Like so. I'm with you, Kenny. I don't know. Um, I think that's part of, um, kind of an important thing to know, is the truth in this, we don't change the lessons a lot. The lessons are generally the same lessons year over year. We've got a series of elders and some other men in our church who teach each lesson. Some of them teach the same lesson every year. Some of them kind of rotate through so we get a little bit different look. But the concepts in this, I think, are just so helpful to hear over and over again. I think Ashley was saying this morning that it's just things that we need to be reminded of, and it's helpful to be reminded of these things. And so um, that's kind of the point. So one other question. Raise your hands if you've ever heard the phrase, shepherding your heart. Raise your hand if you've ever heard the phrase, shepherding your heart, anywhere other than Grace Bible Church. that that is grace bible church terminology that is really one of the things that we teach here in this ministry which is how we shepherd our hearts and what that means what that phrase even means um so i'm going to define it a little bit um shepherding your heart is the intentional practice of bringing your heart to the word of god so that it is informed and transformed by the god of the word um, It's you know when i grew up in the church and the the church school or um, children's church answer was always read the Bible and pray. Um, shepherding your heart is kind of the replacement for that answer. That is, hey, we want to do more than just read the Bible and pray. We want to meet with God and we want to we want to really have God transform our lives. And so if we're reading the Bible to check a box, which you'll hear me say this over and over again this year, if we're reading the Bible to check a box. We're doing it wrong. Um, we want to be meeting with God and God has revealed himself through his word and so we want to learn how to be able to go to God's word and grow in our love for him through that time. So let's talk about that. What's, what's some examples of not shepherding your heart? Um, let's say it's Tuesday, and the day before was a tough day, so I know I need to read the Bible. Um, what should I read? Well, I don't know. Let me open up the Bible and just read something. Um, and you read a passage, and you're like, wow, that was good. Okay, let me get started with my day. That is not shepherding your heart. <laughs> Or maybe you're on a reading plan and you open up the book of Numbers and you're like, okay, this is the part I always fail in my reading plan. Like this is where I give up. So I'm going to get through this and I'm going to power through and get it done because I know it's important and eventually it'll be encouraging. And so you read and then five minutes go by, you pray, and then you're like, yes, 17 days in a row. And I read my Bible. That was good. That is not shepherding your heart. And yet, every single one of us has done that, right? Like, come on. <laughs> like, um, shepherding your heart is is more like this. You wake up and you know that if you don't bring your heart in alignment with the heart of God, you will not be successful today in fighting sin. and You will not live today as a day of worship to your Savior. So you grab your Bible and you pray, pleading with God to clear your mind of all the distractions that have already been offered this morning, so that you can step into a worship of him through the word. You seek, as you read the book of Numbers, to see God in his infinite glory on every single page and worship him while you read. You know the areas that you fail in your sinful patterns and beg him to help you see his glory in a way that helps you fight that off as your day progresses. That's such a different contrast that's so easy to ignore. And yet it's it's really what we're trying to do when we open God's word, is to go to God's word and plead with him to help make him bigger in our eyes so that we love him more every day. Men skilled in shepherding their heart and shepherding their home are equipped for ministry. Um, and so that's, that's what we want to be. If you look at build, um, if you have your build book, turn to page one, I think, or kind of the first section there. Um, In my notes, I think I got it in my notes. It should look like this. Thank you. Um, These are the build disciplines. And so um, we teach and build about shepherding your heart. But there's there's some disciplines around build, and so as you look at the table of contents, you'll see that every lesson is tied to one of the build disciplines. And so I just want to go over those really quick. Um, Discipline one is the heart. The faithful leader shepherds is the heart. The faithful leader shepherds his heart worshipfully towards God through the Word, which we talked about that. And um, and the next discipline, like once you interact with God well then you want to be a good shepherd of your home. And so the second discipline is is that you're shepherding your home. And one of the things that Scott used to say was you want the aroma in your home to be one who shepherds his house well. And people will feel that when they interact with you. My family knows without asking whether I've been shepherding my heart well or not. Because they know know the way I interact with them. Um, And so we want to be able to care for our home. And we do that by shepherding our heart well, and then interacting with them around what we do. Um, In my small group, we're going through a marriage book right now. And one of the questions that we had to complete for the last meeting was to sit down with our wife and ask them how we can grow in um, in just our husbandry. Um, And so I asked Jenna, how can I grow? because I knew if I asked her then I'd have to actually do it and otherwise I'd just answer for her. And, and I knew what she was going to say and the answer she gave me was, I think your family needs to hear what God's teaching you more. They feel it but they don't hear it. Um, and that was convicting to me as an elder at Grace Bible Church who is falling short in some ways in the way that I'm shepherding my home. But it's important that we do that. Um, and then once you do that, you can move into ministry. And and this ministry was started as a ministry for young adults because I was, I don't know, 25, give or take. Um, and, and generally, when you're 20 to 25, you just jump into ministry so quick and you leave your family behind. And we didn't want that to happen at Grace Bible Church. We don't want people to be plugged so far into ministry that their home is a mess. And so that's why we have Discipline 2 and Discipline 3 the way it is, so that you know you need to be shepherding your home well before you jump into ministry. Amen. Yeah? I think the sheet that you're reading isn't in what was uh, printed out on the back table. Sweet. But it is in your email. Uh, you sent the email was the building. Okay. Um, so You're looking at the sheet with the... Yep, this on the back of the... Oh, she puts on that. You know what? Come on, Omri. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a notebook. Like, the last time I got a notebook was probably 2008. <laughs> so... <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> um, the fourth discipline that you guys now can see, it's amazing how everyone turned their notebook over after you said that, <laughs> yes. thank you, <laughs> um, is the qualification, and we'll touch on this some, um, both in the discipleship conversations we have each week, as well as the lesson, um, but we, we don't want to stop at just um, shepherding our heart. We want to strive for holiness. And we want to strive that God would, would transform us in a way that we can be useful leaders within the church. And the way that God's kind of laid that out is through qualifications that he puts in uh, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. And then the last one is about how we bring ourselves to God's word, um, the hermeneutic, the way that we approach scripture. And my brother's actually going to be teaching that lesson in a few weeks, um, and that's really helpful um, in terms of just how we open up God's word and bring ourselves to it. Um, So now that you all have that sheet, we'll move on to the next one. Um, The schedule, do you guys have the schedule in your notebooks? All right. Um, I don't. So the schedule is, The only thing I can promise about the schedule is this is not the final draft. Um, I, you know, we've we've worked it out. As you can see, there's many of the elders are teaching. We have some other men that are bringing some of their areas of expertise and teaching, um, and so some of this is subject to change due to schedules. Um, but we've we've tried to lay this out the best we can, and there's intentionality around where we focus on which one of the disciplines and when. Um, but as we go through this, that's kind of a good idea of the schedule. We will and are recording every single session. So don't feel like, hey, I missed one or two and I can't make it up. Um, my encouragement is go listen and come and not, you know, end up giving up because you missed a couple. Um, it's early. 7 a.m. is crazy early for me. I like run a business and generally work nights and then get up at like eight. So, um. If I'm here, you guys can do it. Um, and so, and I, I woke up, my alarm went off at 4.50 today, and I was already awake. That was really weird. Um, and so the I think it's the next page, but the other thing I wanted to touch on is leadership development at Grace Bible Church. Um, this is kind of the first of many different, I don't want to say programs, but programs um, that we have. This is really focused on shepherding your heart. And I think most people, as you can kind of see when we showed hands, tend to like to take this class over and over again, because it just proves that you like to bring yourself close to. Um, The trust, which is an invite, Smed will invite you, it's kind of based on a lot of factors, but one of it is just how are you doing shepherding your heart? Um, And so, you know, as you're in your discussion groups, um, if you don't finish Build Well, don't expect to get <laughs> invited to the trust. Um, but if you're intentional about how you're applying these truths, then the trust opens up. And that's a lot more focused on um, studying God's word like in detail. You teach a lesson at the end of it. Um, SMED takes you through kind of a systematic theology, so you go through all of theologies. Um, and it's it's a very very good class it's intense like this is nothing compared to the trust the trust meets weekly and this has some homework the trust has homework <laughs> like it's it's um it's intense and and it's been i i did the trust the first time when it was h3 and it was so helpful to me in terms of how i open up god's word and study god's word eric and i were talking about it earlier today that Um, You even just listen to sermons different having taken the trust. And so I encourage you to persevere in this um, and then really persevere in the trust. Um, And then after that, there's um, a couple of other options as men are kind of moving into leadership. Shepherdology is really a ministry where elders come alongside some of the other people that have different leadership roles within the church and just talk through how does... How's leadership work? How does shepherding people work? It's a lot more open forum. Like, hey, let's just talk about situational leadership. Um, and then TES is our in-house seminary. Basically, um, we have um, we've partnered with nine other churches and have a seminary that we teach out of one room over. Um, and so, that's if if you feel that God is drawing you to ministry, I would encourage you to to do build well, to do the trust well, and to sit down with Smed and spend time with Smed and he'll help kind of you know, decide if TES is right for you. Um, and there's, there's lots of areas where you can use the tools that are in these classes to be able to, to serve the body. Um, so I emailed everyone links, I have notes to talk about all of those links, but I think basically i sent you guys links to all of the um, materials if you didn't get an email from me then i probably have the wrong email for you so um, there's a sign up sheet in the back just chain, write your email address on that sign up sheet and i generally you'll get a copy when the resources are available i think the leaders we usually tell them to have the homework to ally by thursday I think mine got to Allie at 6 p.m. yesterday. Um, and so we usually try to have the homework to Allie by Thursday so she can upload it on the website and you guys can get that Friday before you come. Um, and I think that's it. The other thing I wanted to talk about was just the reading plans. Um, I told you guys in the email hey, print out one through nine because I think 10 through 24 of that. Um, work of the first thing in the boulder, build the head. binder is all reading plans. There are so many different ways you can bring a reading plan and, and check off the boxes on how you're in God's Word. The important thing we want to encourage is that you're in God's Word daily. Um, and, and there's some options out there. A lot of people love McShane's reading plan where you read in four different parts of Scripture every single day. And I think you go through the whole Bible you go through the Old Testament once and the New Testament twice in a year if you do the McChains plan. I hate that plan personally, but <laughs> <laughs> um, people love it. Like, are, like, I. I <laughs> There's only one other elder in the room right now. Omri's so still an intern, so. <laughs> As long as Ashley doesn't tell the other Adlers to listen. Well, I, I'm using the... <laughs> it. Using... Okay, Depression. so the, the McShane plan is not inspired, all right? <laughs> some may argue it is. I, what I don't like about that plan is it feels disjointed to me. But it takes you in Psalms every single day. It takes you in an Old Testament, New Testament passage every single day. And if you struggle working your way through the Old Testament, it's really helpful. Um, I generally make my own plan. And I like to pick an Old Testament book and a New Testament book and trade off because I like the continuity of that. Uh, and, and it helps me both focus on the Old Testament, focus on the New Testament. And then when I know that I need to bring my heart in alignment and worship, I just open up Psalms. Um, and so I'm generally in the book of Psalms once a week, every week, and switching back and forth between Old and New Testament that's what I found over the last 15 years um, helps me worship God the most and that's the ultimate goal like if you want to go through and read the whole bible over three years but you're bringing your heart to the word of God every single day in a way that makes you worship him more then do that Um, but don't find a plan say it doesn't work for me and therefore reading the bible daily doesn't work for you that's not what you want um and I think I spent about a month in McJane's plan, and I was like, yeah, this is not working for me. Like, I'm not worshiping God. I'm trying to figure out where I am every single day, and it just wasn't helpful. Um, and that that's that's okay. Um, I hope. We'll find out if I'm still an elder. Like, if you got a new guy up here next week, you'll find out that wasn't okay, and everything I just said is wrong. Um, um, and the last thing, and then we'll break, is... We have discussion groups in this ministry, and um, and I'll, I'll, there's a whole section of my lesson later today that talks about the importance of that. Um, but it really is important that we're not just hearing a lecture every week and then going home and remembering 10% of the lecture when we get home. It's important to, to be interacting with these truths and meeting with men and building each other up and saying, hey... I'm really struggling with what I just heard. Can you guys help me see this more clearly? Um, and so we'll spend uh, about half of our time each week, in a, or every other week, but each time we're together, in a discussion group, just sharing with the guys what you're learning or what you're not. And so my encouragement to you guys is to be transparent. Um, these groups are here for you to help interact. Don't let pride take over. And when everyone else is talking about how great this is, and you're like, man, I just don't see it, Be humble enough to say, hey guys, I just don't see this. Um, Because that's what they're for. They're for you guys to be encouraged and and to interact with things and and to be able to um, just grow in your knowledge and love for God. And I've found that this ministry falls way short if it's just me standing up here telling you guys things. Um, You guys need to be willing and able to interact. All right, let me pray, and um, we'll open up God's Word. Father God, you are good. Lord, we trust that you are good. And so when we walk through life um, and have difficulties, Lord, we know that you are in perfect control and that your goodness um, is there, Lord, and we thank you for that. Lord, this year, um, I'm looking forward to it, Lord, but it's nothing if you don't come meet with us, Lord. If your spirit doesn't transform us, if you don't speak through me, Lord, then this is a waste of time, God. So we ask your help this morning, Lord, throughout this year, God, that you transform our hearts in a way that draws us closer to you so that we love you more and share what we know about you with those around us, God. Thank you for who you are. In your name, amen. So there's an old quote that says, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every single time. Um, I've read many books on productivity, and my favorite one is called What's Best Next by Matt Pearman. It's basically a biblical take on Do More Better. Has anyone heard of Do More Better? Okay, that's a super common productivity book um, with a weird title. Um, the, The... what's best next book was very helpful to me Um, because kind of the whole point of it is if we work on being efficient but we work don't work on being efficient in the right direction then we're just spinning our wheels and so our goal is to not just be efficient but to put the right things first Um, and his first two sections of that book are, are, I'll read the titles. It says first things first, making God supreme in our productivity. And then the next title is God-driven productivity: a new way to look at getting things done. And and so one of the reasons that we have this lesson as the first lesson for build is we want to have our focus to be our focus correct as we move forward in what we're focusing on within Build and so we want to have a right vision and a right purpose and we all want to kind of line ourselves up under that. Um, many years ago I was in charge of the website. It's way more advanced than what I could do now but back then it was a lot more simple and I was in charge of it and so I was redesigning it and I was sitting down with Jeff Kershaw and. I was thinking, okay, well, I want to have you know this type of information. I want to have sermons on there, and I was thinking about all of the things that we wanted to be able to do with the website. And Jeff um, is like, well, wait a minute, Matt. Like, how does all of this stuff fit within the vision and purpose of GBC? How does all of this stuff fall in line with what we're trying to do? And I'm like, it's a website. What are you talking about? Like, it just needs to have the information that we want on there. Um, and that shows you the wisdom of Jeff and the lack of wisdom of me in trying to think through that correctly. Um, and that was helpful for me as I think about how I apply the vision and purpose of GBC and really God's vision or a vision of God and my purpose in life throughout everything. And, and so that's what we want to talk about this morning. Um, your only hope in, at hitting the right target or goal in life is to know what it is and to aim at it with all your might. And so as a church, we want to do that, um, and we want to be very intentional about it. And so, does, do people have a handout today? Is that actually there? Do you have the vision and purpose at the top of it? Yeah. Is it on the back of your binder, or no, it's, it's, it's in there? Um, cool. I will now ask that for everything for the rest of time. Um, and so I just want to read that first and then kind of go through it. And so a biblical vision of God leads us to a gospel purpose in Christ. Um, and then there's a couple of arrows. I'm not sure how it's laid out on yours, but there's a couple of arrows where the biblical vision points to um, a, triad, a triad that says the glory of God, the cross of Christ, um, and life transformation by the Spirit. And then the gospel purpose is drawing and building up and sending out. Interestingly, it's not even on my page, but whatever. Um, And so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to break it down some. Um, So there's two important nouns in that sentence. There's the vision and the purpose. And so let's look at the vision. What do we mean by vision? Um, A biblical vision of God. By vision, we mean we want to see the God of the Bible. And we don't just want to see it with our eyes, but we want to see it with our hearts and our minds. And that side of him we want to come, we want comes only through the, what scriptures display of him. That's why we want a biblical vision. We do, did not see God or have a vision of Him from any other source. We see God by the scriptures, and we see Him in the scriptures. Um, and so we want a biblical vision of God. And we're going to talk about that. And that's the first um, set of three: the glory of God, the cross of Christ, and life transformation by the Spirit. Um, but then let's talk. Look at the purpose. If we have a view of God, it's going to lead us to a gospel purpose. Um, the book that I hold here isn't the gospel. This is a Bible, and within it is the gospel. Um, and we're going to talk about that. But it's really the crown jewel of the Bible. Um, and so we want to we look at that as well. And when we have a gospel purpose, that gospel purpose is going to lead us to draw people in. Um, it's going to have us... And draw us into a way of building each other up and then we will act as sent ones throughout um, wherever we're sent Um, and that's not sent ones like we're gonna go to Papua New Guinea there are sent ones but every single one of us is sent by out by God to make disciples to preach the gospel to those around us whether it's at a coffee shop in Chandler or whatever context God has you in so let's, let's drill into it. A biblical vision of God. Um, what do these scriptures set our eyes on? The first focal point of our biblical vision is the glory of God. The Bible sets our eyes on God's glory. So we're going to spend some time looking at God's glory in scripture and go from there. The word glory in your Bible is somewhat flexible. Um, most words are, right? Like Most words have multiple meanings depending on context. And the glory of God, the gl- word glory does too. It can mean weightiness, the worth of something, the splendor of something, the impressiveness or overwhelmingness of something. Um, and when it's used in reference to God, it is that God has weightiness. He has worth beyond measure. He has splendor. His impressiveness and his overwhelmingness is all about him overwhelmingness is a word. It did not give me a red squiggling line under it, so I know it's a word. Um, In regards to God, in scripture, God appears to communicate or manifest his glory in connection with radiant brilliance or terrifying light. I was going to use the um, analogy or um, illustration of like looking at the sun. But this morning the sun is not very bright, so that didn't work. Um, but when you think about that, it's like you can't even look on it for very long, um, and that's what God makes His glory. It is so brilliant, God's glory, that man can't see it. Um, John one eighteen says, "No one has seen God at any time." John one eighteen, Exodus thirty three twenty says, "No man can see me and live." Um, At unique times, God communicated or revealed something of himself to men in a weighty, impressive, and radiant form that man was capable of soaking in and surviving. Remember, he showed Moses the hem of his garment. I think I talked about that in NGM a few months ago. Um, And it made Moses glow when he came down. Um, Your Bible is tied together. Your Bible is tied the glory of God together in many ways. So let's look. Um, Open to Exodus 33 real quick. I have probably an hour and 20 minutes of notes and 40 minutes to go through them. So um, normally I would like to open the the Bible for all of these passages, but I might just fly through them this morning and you guys can go back and look later. Um, And I'm going to skip some of my notes, so hopefully it's not completely unclear. I just don't want to run long... um, I know some of you guys' his wives are in wellspring, and I don't want them standing around waiting for me and going, what's wrong with that guy? Um, so Exodus thirty-three eighteen, 18. Moses said to God, I pray, show me your glory. Um, Moses was begging to see God's glory. And if you remember, um, it, we'll just read on. and And he said, i myself will make all my goodness pass before you and i will proclaim the name of the lord before you and i will be gracious to whom i will be gracious and i will show compassion on whom i will show compassion but he said you cannot see my face for no man, man can see me and live um, and then he goes on and if you read through this it's one of the most clear pictures of god showing his glory to to man and man not even being able to interact with it um Matthew seventeen three Moses is again on the mountain and the radiant splendor of God is emanating from Jesus. This is the transfiguration. Um, and in verse 2, it says he was transfigured before him and his face shone like the sun and his garments became white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him. So light and brightness, things that can't be seen are correlated oftentimes in scripture to the glory of God. In Isaiah 6, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. And one of the seraphim called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah sees the glory of God in a vision in the temple. Um, and the author of Hebrews tells us in 1.3, That he, Jesus, is the radiance of his glory, the the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is the manifestation of the glory of God in human form. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, the glory of God is a central theme in the Bible. And we want to set our eyes on the glory of God. So how does that make a difference to us in each day? Let's not rush to action um, at the expense of adoration. Let's not go to God's Word without adoring Him for what we see about Him in God's Word. Um, God's glory is on display in Scripture. And we need to present, position ourselves each day to see that. It's on every single page. Um, we have glimpses of who God is. I mean, when you read... Exodus 33:20 it says no man can see me and live. It, think about that. Think about who the God is that you can't even see him and live. And yet that God sent his son to die for us, for you. This is a time of worship. Um, and so we want to open our Bible each day with a cry of desperation. We want to plead with God the same way Moses did to show us his glory and then you can glorify him with your life. Remember earlier when I was talking about heart shepherding. This is it. Seeing God's glory in his word is it. Um, We want to have a desire to see his glory on each page of scripture because it's there. Um, and that leads us to the second thing that we want to set our eyes on in scripture and that's the cross of Christ it is the most shocking event recorded in human history Uh, it is probably easy for us to forget that when we're part of a church and interacting with other people that believe Jesus went to the cross to die I don't think we let that soak in the way we could um And so the, the weightiness of God and his radiant, brilli- his radiant brilliance in Scripture is inseparably tied to the blood that is shed on the cross. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to go through every detail, but think about this when... Um, just think about some of the NGM lessons we've been teaching the adults recently. Um, <laughs> the, you know Moses went... On the mountain, and saw the glory of God, and was given commands. And then he built the tabernacle so that a blood sacrifice could be made. Um, The blood sacrifice was tied and connected to Moses seeing the glory of God. I think this is super interesting. We are going to read this. Go to the last chapter of Exodus. Um, And we're just going to pick it up at the very end. So starting in verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of God filled the tabernacle. He couldn't even go in. And throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the sons of Israel would set out. But the cloud was not taken up. Then they did not set out until the day when it was taken up for throughout all their journeys the cloud of the lord was on the tabernacle by day and there was fire in it by night in the sight of all of the house of israel he ends exodus talking about how the glory of god was among the people but let's keep reading because it doesn't end look, look at the first word of leviticus 1 then then the lord called to moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting saying Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, when any, of you, when any man of you brings an offering to the Lord, he shall bring your offering of animals from the herd of the flock. It is his offering. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it a male without defect, he shall offer it at the doorway of the tent of meeting, and that he may be accepted before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, that it may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf it immediately connects the glory of God in the tent of meeting to a sacrifice that was made for the atonement of sins. Exodus ends with the radiant glory of God filling the tent, and Leviticus begins with the blood of an innocent substitute in the tent. That's just really cool. And if you're in your Bible reading, and you miss that, then you you miss an opportunity to worship God. Wow. That fusion of God's glory in the substitute blood is a re- revelation of the climax of Scripture, the cross of the ultimate substitute, Jesus, where he shed blood for the glory of God. <clears throat> Hebrews 9, verse 24 says, For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often, as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once, at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. A key theological phrase is penal substitutionary atonement. Um, that is something that as you see sacrifice in scripture, remember penal substitutionary atonement. Penal, a penalty must be paid for sin against God. Substitute, that penalty could only be paid by an innocent substitute, and that was Jesus. Atonement, His shed blood at the cross atones for our sin, expiates our guilt, propitiates God's wrath, and reconciles us to God, forgives us. Only Christ's blood causes our forgiveness for sin. We want to set our sights on the cross of Christ, and the glory of God and the cross of Christ can't be separated. So what difference does that make? We should position ourselves before the Bible every day to drink in and gaze upon the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. Like the Apostle Paul, we should boast, Galatians 6.14, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. That's how you prepare your heart to boast in him. How you'll be ready to boast in him and his death at any point in the day our minds need to be so full that they're leaking his substitutionary death the death of jesus is our primary counsel to ourselves and others when you sin when you do well when your spouse or child or roommate are collapsing under the weight of the guilt of sin we need to have God, Christ's substitutionary atonement on our mouth and on our minds. When you become impressed with your own ability to not sin, you need to have Christ's substitutionary atonement on our minds. We need to have a proper vision of God. We need to see God's glory. We need to see the cross of Christ. And we need to see the Holy Spirit. We need to see what the Holy Spirit's primary role is, which is transforming our lives. Um, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to bring about the new birth that then ushers us into life in which we are capable of pleasing God. That's the third. The third um, vision is the life transformation by the Spirit. Titus 3 verses 5 through 7 says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit. How does He do this? The Holy Spirit does that by applying the work of Christ at the cross to the one the Spirit is saving. He applies the satisfaction of God's wrath, the propitiation. He applies the removal of sin, the expiation, and He replies... The reunification of the sinner. Reconciliation. The Holy Spirit adopts us into God. Romans 8, 14 um, says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons. The Holy Spirit seals the believer. He becomes the pledge of our inheritance. In Ephesians 1, it says you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is given as a pledge in our inheritance? Of our inheritance, that means the Holy Spirit powerfully—let pers- pers- me try that again. The Holy Spirit powerfully preserves us and reserves us heaven, in which we will be completely free from sin. Oh, that's good news. In the meantime, the Holy Spirit enables us to fight sin. If Christ is in you through the body, this is Romans 8 as well. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under an obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit enables us to fight indwelling sin. I think you have some more references in your notes. 2 Corinthians 3, Galatians 3, 1 Peter. I encourage you to read those throughout this week. Um, and think about how the Holy Spirit gives you the power to fight sin. Sin doesn't go away. But you're not a slave to it anymore. Um and the next two sessions, we're, we're going to go through God's transformation of man. Those are really helpful in understanding how and why we need to fight sin, how we're positioned as Christians in our ability to fight sin. Um, and I'm not going to take any more of Omri's thunder from there. Um, he'll teach us in a few weeks. So the Holy Spirit, what difference should this make each day? daily position yourself to see the great work of the Holy Spirit and fight sin. Um, the Holy Spirit's primary purpose was to convert you, adopt you, and seal you for heaven, seal you for heaven, and now to empower you to become more and more transformed into the image of Christ by his strength. Plead for him to strengthen you, to yield to his sanctifying work in your life. So focusing on the triune God As you may have noticed, our vision is God. Our vision is the three persons of the Trinity and what the work of God is in Scripture. We look at God in his overwhelming radiant glory. We look at the crucified son. And we look at the Holy Spirit relentlessly guiding us to a transformed life. And if you do that, your life will change. And if your life is not progressively, steadily changing, then you must come back to this and look at God and look at the God of the Bible. So the second half of the statement is our gospel purpose. Um, We don't want to set our sight on anything other than than the God than who God is so that we will be transformed in a gospel purpose so let's look at our gospel purpose my notes say that I should be further along than I am so we'll keep going Um, what do we mean by gospel purpose We're we're referring to Jesus's gospel mission as you read through your Bible you'll find that God had different purposes for different people Noah's purpose was not the same purpose as our purpose. We are not called to build an ark, um, thankfully. Um, Moses' purpose (laughs) was to go into Egypt and help captive Israel escape from their slavery. David's purpose was to be a godly king over the nation of Israel. Um, Our purpose is not Noah's it's not moses's it's not davis's davis david's purpose but it's jesus's purpose in our gospel mission we don't want to miss this being a christian is not about yielding about god yielding himself to our purposes in life it's about him it's not about him serving you in that place but we do that don't we think about your prayer life I know when I think about my prayer life, I'm asking God to serve my purposes in life. Um, That's not what God's called us to do. Um, Moses had to die to Moses' purpose. Noah gave up his purposes for God's. David died to give up his purposes. And we need to give up our purposes so that we can, with undistracted devotion, take up Jesus' gospel purpose for our lives. So as we study the ministry of Jesus in the Gospels in the New Testament, it appears that Jesus had three primary overlapping complementary activities for disciples to participate in. And those are the three things we have listed in our purpose. Drawing in, building up, and sending out. As you read the rest of your New Testament beyond the Gospels, Acts through the end, the church is busily engaged in all three parts of Jesus' Gospel purpose. So let's... Um, examine this gospel ministry mission one at a time. Drawing in. Jesus had something to t- say about what it means to be drawn into God. How sinners were drawn to him as he went about preaching the gospel and with his disciples along with him. Um, I'm going to read Acts 13:48 during Paul's first missionary journey, journey. When the Gentiles heard this they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord and as many as been appointed to eternal life believed. When Paul shared the gospel with them, they believed. Paul went about drawing in um, people to the gospel and to the church. Um, We preach the gospel. We call sinners to repentance and faith. But sinners are drawn into a saving relationship with Christ ultimately because of God's sovereign work before and during our preaching. Um, And this is very important to note that Jesus crucified is God's powerful object of attraction we need to preach and keep Jesus crucified in front of people because that is what draws people in. Uh, The same way that putting our life before the cross and seeing the cross will draw us in a greater adoration for Christ. That's what we need to put in front of people. Uh, Drawing in is not primarily about us developing ministry programs in which we draw in attenders. Um, If we think that gaining people in a church, in a room, in a whatever, is going to help and is part of our goal, then we moved in the wrong direction. The drawing in we're aiming for in Jesus' gospel purpose for us is the drawing in where God saves a sinner to Christ through faith in the preaching of the gospel. We should not be satisfied until that's complete, until that drawing in is complete. that's kind of the hard part. Like it's it's easy to go m- make friends with non-believers and interact with them and say, "Oh, I need to go, you know, create a connection with this so that I have a pathway to the gospel." Um that's the easy part. The hard part is bringing the truth of the gospel that they need to know that they have fallen short, that they are sinful, they're not good like they think they are, and that they need a savior. Um, that's the drawing in we need to be about. There's, I think I just skipped. You know, I think a lot of times one of our goals is to get non believers to come to church with us. And then they'll hear the gospel. Um, but we need to be about bringing the gospel to people um, that we interact with. I mean, I interact with non believers every single day. Some of them I've shared the gospel with, and some I haven't. Um, And yet, my gospel purpose in life is to bring the God is to bring God that to bear witness on people. Um, They're really the only thing that we can do here on earth that's a worshipful, good thing to do that we won't be able to do in heaven is share the gospel with people who don't know Jesus. That's really why we're here. And so if we're not doing that, like what's the point? We want to bring the gospel to people who haven't heard. That's, right. um, and that's hard sometimes. I had a, a really good friend um, who was Sikh, is Sikh, um, which basically believes in reincarnation. And we were having some tough gospel conversations, and he ultimately said, Matt, um, My religion doesn't make sense. I've actually learned the original languages and fought with the priests, or whatever they're called, in my religion. It doesn't make sense. But I mentioned to my mom once that I might marry a gal that's not Sikh, and she didn't talk to me for a month. I don't want to make that sacrifice. Um, That was heartbreaking. And, And yet gospel was preached and he didn't he counted the cost and hopefully one day God will change his heart um, it's hard man it's hard sometimes to fight through and bring the gospel to the lost um, and very rarely have I done that in a way where I've lost those friendships um, people are usually very kind in the rejection of the gospel Um but sometimes they aren't. There was another guy that I share the gospel with, and he basically said, I choose hell. Um, and five years later, I wasn't working with him anymore. hadn't talked to him in years. He called me and said, my sister-in-law just became a Christian. I want to buy her a Bible. Do you have a recommendation? Um, so we talked about that, and I don't know where that's gone, but it was cool to hear that he actually had some desire to, like, to interact around those things. Um, the important thing, though, is that we're drawing people in by speaking the truth of the gospel to them, um, and that we're focused on that. All right, I literally have in my notes here that this is the time I tell everyone to wake up. Um, so <laughs> um, the building up is actually kind of my favorite part of this whole lesson. Um, And so I want to spend a little bit of time on that, and then we'll finish up as quick as we can. Each of these items, the drawing in, building up, and sending out, relate to each other. Um, It's not like a linear sequence that says, oh, we draw in, check, now we build up, check, now we send out. Um, They interact. Um, Think about the last time you had a clear opportunity to present the gospel to someone weren't you encouraged? Wasn't it exciting? Didn't you want to go share with your wife and your family? Like, oh man, I had this awesome gospel opportunity. Like, that built you up. Um, when you approach your everyday life as a sent one, that I'm not out there just to pedal coffee, but I'm out there to bring the gospel to people around me. That encourages me and obviously will draw people in. Um, and so this is like a loop and interact. I don't even know. I don't know what visual this is. It's they relate. Um, they're obviously separate, but they're very, but they're also inseparable. Um, and so, once a lost sinner is drawn into the gospel through faith alone, that bu- person must be built up, and that building up takes place on two levels. The first one is individual, and the other one is corporate. Um, individuals are to be built up but God is very concerned that the body of Christ is built up so which one are you more aware of Um, we've talked about kind of building ourselves up individually like going to God's word meeting with God Um, it shouldn't end there Uh, building each other up is very important so here's another passage let's go to Ephesians 4 this is so rad So by using the word rad, that dates me, doesn't it? (laughs) If you've ever seen the movie Rad, that really dates you. Does anyone know the movie Rad? Yeah. BMX bikes. (laughs) Look it up. I think it's on Amazon Prime. It's terrible, I'm sure. Oh, really? Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to pay for it. I'll tell you what. I tried to watch Goonies with my kids the other day, and that does not hold up. That movie is terrible. (laughs) I was was heartbroken. I'm like, what? Anyway. um, They're like, you said this was good. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was six. It was good. (laughs) All right, Ephesians, let's open up. Um, Verse 11, chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body um, for the building up of itself in love verse 16 let's just break that down a little bit it says the whole body being fitted and held together proper the whole body being fitted and held together causes the growth of the body for the building of of itself in love how does it do it? Um, by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part but the whole body causes the growth of the body that is so important the growth of the body is not caused primarily through the teaching but it's caused by us interacting with each other and doing what every joint supplies doing our role with each other in each other's lives the body causes the growth of the body Build as a ministry within the church that we have teachers in the body that will do what, um, I think it's verse 12 says, equip the saints, you men, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. But how does it do that? Verse 16 tells us how it does that. We'll review the lessons and teach you men, but discussion groups are vital. Discussion groups are where you men Being fitted and held together by whatever joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of you men for the building up of itself in love. Small groups does that. This is the part of the lesson where I talk about how important small groups are. Um, I think I used to lead the discovery lunch dinner thing with our church to help new people get plugged in. And I would tell people as they were starting to decide whether to make Grace Bible Church their home, that I believe it is as important for you to visit a small group while you're trying to decide to make if Church, Grace Bible Church is your home as it is for you to attend Sunday. Because the vital part of what happens at Grace Bible Church happens in small groups. That's where we build each other up. That's where our lives intersect and we can care for each other in ways that you just can't do on a Sunday morning. Um, If we're going to care for others in a way that builds us up or be built up, we have to do that in contexts outside of worshiping God and hearing the word preached. Um, That is hugely important. Sunday morning is so important and I think I've felt that more than, or as much as anyone, haven't we all? (laughs) Like the last six months, not being able to come on a Sunday morning and worship together. There is something supernatural that happens when we worship together um, and there's something supernatural that happens when we interact with each other uh, around God's word and you know 5 on 1, 6 on 1, 23 on 1 depending on whose small group you're in um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's important to be in people's lives and to to be prayerfully considering one another. Which is is kind of another point with small group. Like how oftentimes do you go to small group thinking about how it's going to minister to you versus how you're going to care for the other men um, and families in that group. Um, Being built up is sometimes exercising and just sharing what God's doing in your life with other people um, and seeing and And hearing what God's doing in other people's lives. Uh, There was a period in my life approximately 13 years ago because it was when Eden was born where we took a break from small groups and um, Shag Myers, Jason I think some people refer to him as, um, kept begging me to join his small group and finally we came and the first week I was sitting and it was core questions and someone was sharing their area of sin. And his area of sin was um, he just hasn't thought eternally enough that week. And he was too focused on the here and now and wasn't looking at the eternal impact of his everyday life. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, I need to be in a small group. (laughs) Like That wasn't even on my radar as an area of sin. But that was ultimately the root of where my sin was, was I wasn't thinking eternally. Um, and it was just such a blessing to me to hear how someone else shared where God was impacting them, and it transformed me. Um, and here I am, 13 years later, remembering vividly where we were sitting in Shag's house, when, who it was that shared that and where he was sitting. Like, that type of stuff doesn't just happen in a um, box. It happens when we intersect our lives with each other. Um, I think in your notes, you'll notice in your notes that the last sections... <laughs> have a lot more notes written in there and a lot less room for you to take notes. I anticipated this uh, (laughs) and the fact that we're basically out of time as we're getting to the end here. Um, And so the sent ones I've kind of touched on so far, but we are sent ones. Everyone is sent out by God and we need to consider ourselves as sent ones. John 17, 18, Jesus referred to his disciples as sent ones. He says, As you have sent me into this world, I also have sent them into the world. Um, And in that section, he makes a reference, in John 17, that's Jesus' prayer. He makes a reference, not only them, but those who believe in in what's preached by them. Um, He's referring to us. um, Those who um, have heard the gospel as a result of the preaching of the twelve um, we're in that lineage and so we are sent ones which means that we interact with non-believers every single day and we're commanded to go make disciples um, ascending God and sent Savior and Holy Spirit who sent others to preach the gospel to you is not the end of the process you're part of that process so we need to go therefore and make disciples of all nations see yourself as a sent one in your own household um, I think many of us most of us who have kids probably have a non-believer in our household um, many of us live with non-believers um, we need to bring the gospel to those people uh, there's no one I interact more than uh, more with than the people in my home um, and it's easy to let your guard down and just not worry about it when you're home and that's not helpful uh, my kids see me sin more than anyone else on the planet uh, probably Jenna but the people in my home see me sin and, and that's not bad but they need to see me repent they need to see what it looks like as a man who is broken under his own sin. Um, You don't want them to see hypocrisy where I'm not sharing with them that I am broken under my sin and I need to be changed. You want them to see, they're going to see your sin. I promise you that. Um, They need to see what it looks like as a man that repents so they understand what the gospel has done in my life. So let's return back to the vision and purpose, turn to page one, I guess. Um, We have a biblical vision of God that leads to a gospel purpose in Christ. As believers in Jesus Christ, who lives together as the church called Grace Bible Church, when we set our sights on the great God of Scripture, he will certainly lead us into a very purposeful life in Christ, his gospel purpose. With your Bible in your hand, throw your life into both this biblical vision of God and the gospel purpose of Jesus this year and let's do that together as we work our way through these lessons um it's exciting I love this ministry I think 20 years ago someone asked what I wanted to be when I grew up um I think I was an adult back then but I wasn't grown up um and I said if I could disciple men and teach I'd do nothing else um and so when kind of by default he put me in charge of BUILD, um, I'm so excited. And I'm excited to be here with you guys. I'm excited to hear some of the other elders preach. Um, and I think God has put this group together for a great purpose this year. In a really, really weird year, um, we get a chance to, to just encourage each other. So um, I am exactly between 9 and 9.15, so let me close in prayer. Father God, you are good. Lord, you are so glorious that we can't even look at you. God, help us to to recognize um, what a wonderful God we serve. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for sending your son to die. Thank you for giving us the ability to worship you. Lord, our hearts are wicked and desire nothing of God, and yet you have transformed us through your spirit to desire you, Lord. Um, That is just amazing. Um, Lord, help us to to be able to grow our love for you so that the aroma that comes from us is that. Lord, help us to love you more every single day and help those that come in contact with us see that love for you. Um, Lord, help us to encourage each other as we go through this year of BUILD. Lord, help us to um, just have a love for each other, use this as a unique opportunity for us to um, just care for the men in this room, Lord, and most importantly, use us to bring sinners to you, Lord, it would be awesome to see lives transformed through this year um, as we meet together, God, help us to be better servants of you, help us to be better lovers of you, Lord, and help us to be better evangelists, in your name, amen.